Sell not, don't go home. Sell not, don't go home. Sell not, don't go home. Stay with me till morning. Hey everybody, this is Nate. And this is Justin. From Pertnier Sandstone. And you're listening to Road to Blue Ox. Can you believe that we've made four podcasts, Nate? (laughs) We're getting close to game day here. We're counting down when people are hearing this. It's going to be less than a month before we're hitting the ground at the festival running. And man, I'm excited to get out there again at the Whispering Pines campground. On this episode, we're going to be talking with Sarah Shook. We grabbed her for a phone interview recently and talked all about traveling on the road and trials of trying to write music when you're a solitary songwriter while you're surrounded by your stinky bandmates in a van (laughs) or if you're stuck in a venue great interview really down-to-earth wonderful artist and i'm looking forward to seeing her at the blue ox stage and all you two-steppers you got to get up front for her show she mentions in the interview how she loves playing in texas because People dance there. And I know we got a lot of good dancers at Blue Ox, but you're going to have to test your two-step chops when she comes out because she does a, a really good brand of country and punk. And she's just an awesome songwriter, a little bit outside the typical genre that we have. We always have a country artist, so she's kind of representing that. But you definitely want to check her out. Yeah, the album Years that she produced recently has become one of my favorites. I've been spinning that quite a bit, driving around and... Great songwriting. I love her voice is great, and it really it suits her band, as we said in the interview. I, I just think her band is pretty kick-ass. And she was recently signed to Bloodshot Records, and uh, she mentions in the interview how much she loves coming to Milwaukee. So all you Milwaukee peeps, you'll have to listen for that shout-out in the interview as well. So she self-described her music as traditional country with a punk rock edge, and I really feel that that's true of her approach, and and it's really kind of a, a modern sound of Americana.
And that was Sarah Shook playing Good As Gold off of her album, Years. So the build this year is a little unique in that we have current legendary bluegrass acts paying tribute to past legendary bluegrass acts. The Earls of Leicester, featuring Jerry Douglas, do the entire Flatt & Scruggs repertoire, and they do it with style and grace and expertise. That was the Earls of Leicester featuring Jerry Douglas playing All Ghosts Steppin' 2. Also at the festival this year is bluegrass legend Peter Rowan. He's paying tribute to the Stanley Brothers with his new project, Carter Stanley's Eyes. Peter Rowan has had a huge influence on Pertnier Sandstone since the beginning of our band. Of course, listening to him play with Olden in the Way, we covered several of his original bluegrass compositions and then had a chance to meet him at the Cedar Cultural Center when he was on tour with Tony Rice. Since then, we've had the opportunity to catch him at several festivals we've also attended or performed at. He is a true steward of the music, a great performer, and we're excited that he's going to be joining us at Blue Ox this year. 
That was Peter Rowan playing a classic Bill Monroe song from his new album, Carter Stanley's Eyes. So we still have yet some new features to discuss for this year's festival. Uh, We have the kids stage again in the family camping area, which will be hosted by Boats and Bluegrass. Good folks out there who are family-oriented and going to be having some fun programming for the kids and, and their parents to hang out. And big kids as well are, are welcome. Nate, did you know that kids 12 and under get into the festival free with a paid adult? I'm glad you said that, Justin. Definitely we want to make sure that that's known. Bring your kids along. It's a, it's a great place to spend some time with the family, listen to some good music in the outdoors. And hopefully we're creating some future musicians as well as music lovers 
Also new this year, we're going to be providing instrument workshops. Details are still sort of being ironed out for that, so make sure you keep an ear on the Facebook page or in the festival brochure when you arrive. Come prepared to hang out and learn some music techniques. So Blue Ox has acquired a little bit more land and a little bit more space, and uh, people will have an additional 40 acres to pitch tents and camp on this year, which is great. Yeah, there'll be some extra elbow room for everyone. Or if you want to spread out into the field, they've they've cleared some additional property there, trying to make it a little more comfortable for all the campers. Nate, I have a, a, another Blue Ox memory. You do, you, Justin. It has to do with our, our wonderful audience at Blue Ox. So I love hanging out in the Festival Bowl when there's an artist I really can't wait to see. But a few years back, I was backstage fanboying out, watching the Punch Brothers get on stage because I was highly anticipating their set and really kind of wanted to, you know, stalk them backstage a little bit and sure. see if maybe I could chat them up. Chris Thiele was pretty much straight from bus to stage, so I didn't get to corner him. That's probably intentional on his part to avoid people just like me <laughs> before he gets on stage. But... um during their set, I was standing on the back stairs to the stage. And you can still hear back there pretty well. And it's kind of a cool vantage because you get to watch the audience watch the artist. And uh, I was taken by how well everybody was paying attention and listening and how enwrapped they were. And the Punch Brothers sort of thrive on that they they have the one mic approach and they don't really use any monitors they play to themselves for themselves on stage and they count on an audience really being engaged and listening and i was so proud and happy with our audience because they were clearly doing their job so it really confirmed that was when Chris Thiele addressed the audience as the most listeningest audience that he he had seen in a long time. (laughs) And I thought that was amazing, especially for an outdoor festival crowd. It was really fun to watch and be a part of. We always love playing around these parts because the audience just interacts well and they they know how to enjoy live music. Yes, so thank you, Blue Ox. And although the Punch Brothers won't be joining us this year, We do hope to get them back some other time. They did just come out with a new album, however, that we want to play a track from. The album is called All Ashore, and this is an instrumental tune that really features their amazing technical prowess called Three Dots and a Dash.
And that was the Punch Brothers from their new album, All Ashore. Make sure you check that out. Those guys are really quite inspiring to me as an instrumentalist. And lately, another person that's been inspiring me quite a bit is Sarah Shook and her band, The Disarmers. I've been listening to them a bunch, really having just discovered her while helping book the festival this year. I've really been enjoying her music. We had the great opportunity to chat with her recently. She called us from her home in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, where she was hanging outside with the birds and the wind chimes. And we're going to listen to that interview right after a track called What It Takes from her album Years. This is Sarah Shook and the Disarmers. We can't win for losing, fighting every step of the way. Battles we shouldn't be choosing, price is too high for us to pay. Nobody told me it's like this out here. Is that what it does? It takes everything 
We called up Sarah Shook at her home and unfortunately lost phone connectivity and part of the interview along with it. But we're going to jump in here where Justin is giving Sarah some background information on the festival and let's listen in. This is our fifth year. Uh, we got a really great audience that's really devoted already. And uh, we one of the things we love is introducing our uh, audience to people they may not have seen before. And I know you, you signed recently with Bloodshot and you have been coming to the upper Midwest a little more frequently. Um, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to, you know, see kind of how you find the upper Midwest being a Southerner and kind of coming up here. And if you feel, I don't know, just kind of give me your thoughts on, on uh, traveling up, up in these parts. Well, sure. Um, I was actually born in Western New York um, in Rochester and spent uh, most of my childhood in uh, Lima, New York. Oh, okay. Um, it's just like a little uh, tiny Bible college town. Uh, but yeah, I mean, to me, the, the Midwest is, uh, it, it feels very much like home in that, in that sense. Um, you know, Western New York's not so different from Wisconsin. No, you're right. And yeah, that's it's yeah. true. A lot of good salt of the earth people. There's yeah. something about sharing the same latitude that I think really affects people. It, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, that's my theory anyways. <laughs> I, yeah, I agree. I, I think, uh, I think that the winters have a lot to do with that. You got to deal with the weather. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Um, so, and like I said, we, we typically have like this year, we have a lot of traditional bluegrass, uh, acts and, um, and things that exist within that bluegrass, uh, folk realm. And you live a little bit outside of that. I love, I just love your songs and I love, uh, the lyrical content. And I mean, you guys just, just kill it. And I cannot wait to have you up on the blue ox stage. And I know that our audience is gonna, is gonna love listening to you. So you said you spent a lot of time in Western New York. When did you end up in, in North Carolina? Well, I actually moved to Raleigh, North Carolina when I was 10 and lived there for like a year. Uh, my, my folks moved around a lot when I was growing up. Um, and we moved back to the Raleigh area when I was uh, 18 or 19, probably around like 2005. Yeah, I've been in Central North Carolina for like about... 13, 14 years now. Do you find that that area kind of influences your music too? Uh, I, I think so in a way. Um, some of the uh, happiest years that I've spent here, I lived in like a single wide trailer out in the woods in Chatham County. Okay, yeah. Having that kind of solitude and living in a place where, you know, you're not crammed in with like a bunch of people and you can't even like hear the sound of vehicles on the highway. That was like a really ideal situation, especially as a songwriter, needing that sort of alone time to really work on new material. Yeah. So I've heard you talk about it before, but you, you prefer not having distractions when you write songs. Yeah, totally. And how is that going being so busy on the road? Are you able, are you finding a balance between traveling so much and uh finding time to like write new songs or has that been difficult um it's been somewhat difficult uh i definitely need to be alone to write and it's almost impossible to find alone time like that kind of alone time on the road uh but i've been like trying my best to adapt to that because it's certainly going to be a way of life at least for the next few years we're looking at a pretty intense touring schedule 
So just trying to adapt and evolve my process and uh, see what I can do with what I've got, you know. Sure, I foresee a lot more uh, traveling songs in your future, I expect. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) That's my wheelhouse. I I try to write on the road as much as I can for for that reason. But um, yeah, the new album is is really great. I've been listening to it a lot, and it's really going to add a great element to the Blue Ox Festival that we always try to have that kind of, you know, that sort of country or honky-tonk vibe, that Americano approach that you have. It's, and uh, yeah, and you're, your band is kick ass. I really, I like the the sound that you guys produce and uh, you're thinking you're, you know, after a few years, you're going to be working on a new project or are you kind of working on new songs for your next idea currently as well? We've had a few practices. It's again, like bringing the whole incessant touring thing back into it. If we're out on the road for two or three weeks, when we get home, it's so like, you know, you just want to spend time with your family. You want to catch up with your friends. You want to just decompress. Yeah. We're getting to the point where we're, I have the songs, the songs are there. We've probably been in pre-production rehearsing those songs for a few months now, but we're not getting enough practice, which is something that we've been talking about. Like we need to sort of double down on our rehearsal schedule. So that's definitely in the works. I've been pushing everybody pretty hard as far as, what my vision is for this record and where I want it to go. And uh, it's been really cool. It's very humbling to work with a group of people who are willing to just sort of jump into whatever you throw at them and be like, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit different, but let's try it. Like, why not? You know? So that's that's a really good feeling to have really supportive bandmates like that. Absolutely. Do you guys collaborate as a band? Do you, you know, are they feeding you ideas Four songs, or are you kind of bringing the finished product to them and being like, all right, do your thing. Here we go. One, two, three, go. Yeah. So uh, the, the song, by the time that I bring it to the band, it's basically the way I write it. It's the verses, the melody, the chord progression, and a, a pretty loose arrangement. And so what I do is we get into the practice room and there's no explanation of like, okay, well, this verse has these chords like this just like we just start playing it we'll run it a few times we'll get a little more comfortable with it and then that's when the magic starts and Aaron my bassist will be like well what if we like slowed down for a second here and like let Phil do something on the pedal steel just as like a breath before we go into the next part of the song um it's very that part of it the the finalizing of the arrangement is totally collaborative and everyone is very open about ideas like what the intro should be where the solo should be like those decisions are all collaborative and I think that that having a sort of democratic process like that where everyone's ideas are heard and at least tried you know we might not like it once we hear it but like we try everyone's suggestion I think that really serves the song the best and and that's one of our strong suits like everyone wanting the song to be as interesting and captivating as possible and dynamic that's something that we all sort of do together and pitch in on absolutely yeah that sounds like a good recipe for you know everyone being content in the project as well i know you've been playing with a couple of the guys in your band for you know since since you started really playing music seriously or even before you started playing music seriously and uh it, yeah it kind of it kind of feels like you know, the organic nature of what you're doing and what you're expressing is, is really working well. So 
really looking forward to having you out at Blue Ox. I'm hoping that you're going to really love the festival and hang out there for a while as well. Yeah, we tried to cultivate an artist-friendly, artist-driven festival. You know, when we go out on the road, there's certain things we love, and uh, we, we kind of hope to bring that into Blue Ox. Are you also involved in, in booking and making a festival? Um, it's been a while. Uh, so a couple years back, me and my friend Erica Libero started a, a festival, and like we had this idea that was just like, it wasn't a genre-specific festival but basically the only requirement was that every band had to have a female or female identifying person it didn't have to be like the front person it could be the bassist or the drummer or whatever yeah but i think our first year we had 24 bands in two days in three venues which erica did most of the planning thank god because (laughs) uh, my organizational skills are not on par with that level of mastery (laughs) Yeah, it takes a lot. It definitely does. Yeah. Yeah. So the first year I had various tasks, just like looking for sponsorships and securing the three venues that eventually were on board. The second year was the first year that the Disarmers really started touring more heavily. And so I had to step back a little bit and I was still able to contribute small things here and there, but that was mostly Erica that that got that done. Is it still happening? I'm not sure. Uh, the last one, uh, it, I think, I think it's a little much for one person. Yeah. So I think unless she can find somebody to help her sort of shoulder some of the workload, I think she's going to take a break. She's got a lot of other pretty cool projects going on. The name of the festival is Manifest, and so now she's doing all these like Manifest presents house shows and DIY oh, punk okay. stuff, and it's it's pretty yeah. cool. That is great. Yeah, um, within our genre, well, sometimes we have a hard time rounding out the bill and and securing female artists that we really want. Um, but so we're definitely on board with that sort of approach. And um, I remember reading a bit about that, so I wanted to ask you about that. But I'm hearing some bird going bonkers where you are right now. You must be hanging outside oh, yeah. during the day. Yeah, I'm hanging out. Yep. Glad to hear. Uh, where are you right now? I'm in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Oh, okay. I noticed you have a string of dates coming up. I was wondering if you were already on the road. No, uh, that sort of kicks off. Um, Friday, we have a show in Charlotte, which is about two hours west of us. And then Saturday, we have a home show here in Carborough, North Carolina. And then the next day, we're in D.C. And the next day, we're in Boston. And then, you know, we're, we're off doing the thing. So I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old, and uh, I know leaving town is really difficult. I know you're also a mom. Uh, what's that like? Do you, are you able to bring your kid with you on the road, or is it sort of? Uh, no, and I, I've always admired parents that are able to do that. Um, like especially if you can take your kid or kids on the road and homeschool them. Uh, but I think that's also a personality thing, and I think that being uh, sort of sensitive to like what your kid's into and really wants like my son Jonah is 12 he'll be he'll be 13 in November he's very social and he loves school and uh, like he's in band and he has his group of friends and that's his jam yeah so he's he's not really interested at this time in going out on the road but he also knows that that's like an open door in a conversation that we can have at any time it's really hard to be away from him, especially when we're gone for like two or three weeks. One of the benefits of technology is being able to have a video chat. Oh, man. You know, send each other funny memes or draw each yeah. other like little pictures and send them, send those to each other. It makes it easier. It, it sure does. 
Oh yeah. There's no substitute for, for being home with him and spending time with him in, in real life. No, absolutely not. But FaceTime is a wonder. I know that it keeps us sane and keeps me sane when I have to be gone for longer stretches. But I and I don't. I'm not sure if I'll ever bring the boys on the road either. But at this point, um, I have fantasies and dreams of it. But also logistically, I can turn out to be a nightmare. You know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, kind of piggybacking on what we were just talking about a minute ago, us being curators of a festival, we we at times find it fairly difficult to be kind of gender diverse and and bring in, um, you know, like a we're, we're trying to throw a festival that has, you know, it's a variety. We're looking at different genres of music. We're trying to do like kind of a fuller, it started out as a bluegrass festival. That was the initial idea. And our band, we don't even really play bluegrass music, you know, so it immediately became something beyond what, what we're, our vision of it was or kind of where we came from. But I'm kind of curious, um, you know, being a, being a female uh, songwriter and band leader, when you're touring around or making music, do you kind of uh, view yourself as sort of um, like a maverick, or do you do you kind of feel like you're representing females out there as you're touring and performing, or do you just really really feel like you're just you know doing your thing and making music and that doesn't cross your mind, or how kind of what's your perspective on that? It certainly crosses my mind. Uh, I, it's not, you know, I don't identify or, or consider myself to be some kind of example. Um, it's really, really difficult to get to where we're at. And even where we're at is like still small potatoes, you know? So it's like, you have to, you have to work like twice as hard for half the recognition. And, um, you know, when I think about things in those terms, you know, it, do- it doesn't make me feel bitter or resentful. It just doubles down my determination to be like, hey, like, we're out here and like, we're doing this thing too. Um, and it, you know, it, it can be done. And uh, I I think that uh, I, I know, I mean, like, I've heard a lot of, of horror stories from fellow women musicians where, um, you know, they walk into a venue and the sound tech just assumes they're the merch girl quote-unquote you know no actually this is my band right um (laughs) and i think that instead of like getting up in arms in those situations like people are not actively like trying to be condescending or rude there's just a lot of uh inequality and i think that it's it's totally okay to just be like you know well no i'm i'm not the merch girl and um like i'm i'm the front person but always in my opinion actions speak louder than words and you know, if if a sound tech ever said that to me, I would just play the show the way I always play a show. And yeah, there you go. Enough said. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's a great attitude. That's what I was hoping you would say for sure. Like it's it's a motivator for you, and and uh, yeah, and and kind of em- embrace it as a chance to spread awareness or change people's preconceived ideas of of what a what a band is or who's out there really making it right now and 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 doing it well. Absolutely. And I think one of the one of the key things for sort of combating sexism is to me, what I find the most effective is humor. And um, like I I just post like one of my last Instagram stories is me making this ridiculous face reading a Sweetwater magazine. And the captain <laughs> is like, you know, when dudes say, so which of the dudes helps you write your songs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
like, uh, what? <laughs> We've heard you talk about uh, your reluctance towards success. Maybe with your first album, that was uh, maybe something that was working against you to some degree. Um, and you've since then embraced that. Where do you really see yourself you know, progressing from here? You said you have a, a new project in the works, but maybe like the next five or 10 years, do you have a, a vision of what level you want to achieve? And or are there other projects you're working on outside of music that you that you want to embrace? Is kind of what's your, your vision for the future? If you're even future minded, maybe you're a roll with the punches kind of person. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of both for sure, um, especially being a mom. And, you know, I, I feel like if, if Jonah was much younger when we started touring heavily or when that was on the table, I probably wouldn't have done it. Um, but he was 10 and, you know, we had a conversation about it. But you, when you have a, a kid and you're, and you're in this business, like you have to like look forward to the future and, you know, ask yourself like what, what you want. And I will say that, you know, losing that sort of reluctance to get out there and hit the pavement and have success, like in no way has changed the fact that I'm not an ambitious person at all. And, you know, fame means absolutely nothing to me. I, I really, I'm very strongly against celebrity culture. And it's really frustrating that, you know, the music business is a music business in the way that, you know, you can't ever succeed without someone else falling behind it, like you just can't like there right. there's uh-huh. only so much spotlight that that's out there and you know when we have it I'm very grateful for it and I know that a lot of people work every bit as hard as we do and they never make it um so remembering sort of where we came from keeps me humble and keeps me grounded um I'm not I don't have any huge plans or dreams to be like a stadium band or whatever. I think that if we have moderate success that helps us pay the bills and at some point, you know, and I mean, I'm, I'm the second youngest person in the band. Eric and Aaron are, are, uh, older than, uh, me and Phil. And, uh, I don't know. It's just like, at some point you have to like hang up the hat and like settle down and like have a home. Right. Which for some, you know, some people don't want that. Some people want to tour and like road dog it till the day they die. And, you know, while I, while I totally enjoy being on the road and I love all of the sort of like chaos of the unknown factors involved and and have fun with it, certainly, um, at some point it would be cool to just like continue putting out music and maybe tour like half as much as we are. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, you're such a realist. I wish. I know. I really love your attitude. I, I wish there was more people in the industry with your perspective. That's great. Um, I guess it kind of could be a good segue into a bit of like a lightning round of questions that I have. So, uh, do you have a what's your truck stop go to? <laughs> oh my lord! Uh, as far as which gas station? That's a whole conversation. <laughs> it really is, <laughs> isn't it? There's, there, there's a very heated debate within the band about whether Wawa or Sheets is superior. And okay. Also, you know, if you're in Texas, the only place you get gas is Bucky's. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then, okay, and when you're at Bucky's or Sheets, uh, what what is what are you looking for when you go inside? What do you need on the road, like beverage or food? Um, typically, uh, I, I try to find fresh fruit 
any time that I can, which of course has to be thoroughly inspected before purchasing. <laughs> um, but any time I can find like chopped watermelon or pineapple or cantaloupe, um, anything okay. like that is. You just got to get as many fruits and veggies as you can on the road. It's very hard to eat well on the road. It is. It is. And uh, a couple of years back, Yeti gave us a cooler um, that has been a total game changer because, you know, you typically the, the day before a long tour, I go to the grocery store and stock up on all kinds of like fruit and veggies and tofurkey, um, all kinds of stuff. And, you know, that'll last me at least a week before supplies start dwindling you might have to like eat some gas station food every once in a while and then the next time you go to a grocery store you just like re-up on everything yeah is it a refrigerated one or is it just one of those really well insulated coolers it's really well insulated yeah so our friends trout steak revival from colorado they actually have uh a small cooler i guess i mean i guess it technically would be a refrigerator because they plug it into their into their cigarette lighter it's 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 got a plug-in and uh, Bevan, she Dang. she's a fiddler, and she on their rider, she always has soda water and veggie trays. Thing oh, yeah. is, like it's great, you know. You you might not get it every night, but if you get it every fifth night, then now you have all these veggies and stuff for your cooler and so. dips and salsas yeah. and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. She's taught us a bit about um, being a little more savvy in in regards to that. I still live on peanut butter and bread, however. Yeah. Vanwich. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like at the point where you find yourself making a sandwich with like peanut butter and tortilla chips from the green room last night, it's it's time to <laughs> it's time to do something yeah, different. Totally. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of a hobo though, so I there's a part of me that enjoys it. <laughs> I mean, there is a romanticism about like you know just like the kind of randomness, and you never know what you're gonna be able to find to eat. I don't know. There's something poetic about that for me. It's like life on the road, you know? Totally. Um, do you have a must-have rider item or something you really hope to get every show? Um, I mean, we have a pretty weird rider. It's it's like a lot of what you're talking about, like veggie trays, hummus, chips and salsa, um, and then like a small bottle of whiskey, some uh, non-alcoholic beers for Eric and Kevin, some regular beers for Phil, um, and then like soda water and kombucha. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, uh, I'm the only. I think I'm the only one in the band that hasn't really got on the booch train. Um, oh, you're not buying in, huh? I don't dislike it, but I'm like, I would rather have like a soda water or you yeah, know yeah, a yeah. black coffee. I don't I'm know. I'm the same way for sure. Do you have an on stage drink you gotta have besides water? Um, I mean, typically I'll have whiskey. I really don't drink a lot of beer, uh, but I've actually been, um, working pretty hard on drinking a lot less and a lot more moderately. We've had a couple shows in the last few months where like, I just haven't had anything but water. And, um, it's, it's a little bit of a weird feeling to be totally sober on stage, but it's, you know, it ain't bad. Okay. So do you guys have a bus or do you guys drive your own vehicle? Uh, we have a 15 passenger Chevy Express, um, and then we have, I think it's a 10 or 12 foot trailer. When we first started touring heavily, we did not have the trailer and all of the gear was jammed in the back and we sat in the front like sardines. Yeah, it was a total game changer. 
basically you've got two people up front, somebody driving, somebody navigating, and then everybody else gets a row to like sleep or yeah. read or watch movies or what the Very whatever, you know, whatever. Yeah, that's how we like to roll too. All right. Um, okay. Yeah. Like out. Um, maybe a couple of your favorite markets to hit at this point in your career. That you really look forward to like, oh, that's on the that's on this tour. I can't wait to get there. Definitely Milwaukee. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah, we've played uh, Club Garibaldi twice, I think, and Cactus Club. We're actually going to be back at Cactus Club um, coming up pretty soon here. But I I love that venue and the staff there are amazing, and it just feels like every time we play there, I make a handful of new friends, just like really, really good people. Well, that's great. That's not far from Blue Ox. Hopefully we can, hopefully some people are, are hip to the fact that you're on our bill and come over. Yeah, oh, Milwaukee's yeah. been one of our favorite cities to play as long as we've been a touring band heading that direction. So. Yeah, we were just there last weekend or a couple weekends ago. Yeah, uh, we always look forward to going there. Also, Austin, Texas, or basically any place in Texas, because people dance there. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. They're all dancing. <laughs> you know, you get, like, the whole front of the of the stage just, like, full of two-steppers. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, that's that's great. Hopefully we get some... I know there'll be a lot of festival dancing for sure at Blue Ox. I hope some people take the two-step <laughs> for you guys. Do you have, like, a, a favorite instrument? Do you have a guitar that you have to have? Um... It depends. My my sort of tried and true is a is a 2011 Synchromatic Gretsch, and it's it's a reissue of a 1940s model. Um, it's I, I mean I've had that for years and years, and um, I just got Gretsch just sent me a, a bright red duo jet um, that I've been playing with a lot. Um, it's a little bit of a heavier body, um, and the action is a little bit higher. Um, and definitely, I mean, if, if I think next year, especially when we're touring on the new record, like you'll definitely see one, one of those two <clears throat> guitars, okay. um, on stage or probably both. Those are archtop acoustic electric or all acoustic. The synchromatic is an archtop acoustic electric and the duo jet is an electric. Great. So if you were driving and you were like, oh, I need to listen to some music, what might be one thing that you would really want to listen to these days? Um, there's a band called True Widow that okay. I've been burning out for a few months. It's, it's hard to describe. It's like very slow, melodic metal. Um, but it, it's, it's very hypnotic, and I love listening to that, especially when I'm driving. Um, it's it's pretty chill, and I mean, a close second would be the Black Angels. I listened to them a ton last year, and uh, I, I just feel like every album they put out is pristine. Cool. We'll have to look into those. I'm not familiar with either of those. The ambient metal, though, is definitely the choice of our uh, tour managers over in Europe when we get there. They they love that on the oh, Audubon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Is there anybody who you like really love to share the stage or share a bill with at this point? I mean, I know that's a kind of a vague and broad question, but... Yeah, there's a, a woman from Alberta. We played a few workshops with her at uh, Calgary Folk Festival last year. Uh, her name is Mariel Buckley. Her band is fantastic. Her songwriting is fantastic. And their live show is amazing. And uh, 
we just got along really, really well. And, you know, by the time we left, it was one of those things where it's like, well, you're in North Carolina and I'm in Alberta, Canada. So who knows when we're going to see each other again. And uh, come to find out we're both playing Winnipeg Folk Fest uh, coming up here in a few months. So we're super stoked to be reunited and uh, hopefully get to play a bill or two together. Nice. And we'll definitely look her up as well. Uh, well, we don't want to keep you too much longer. That was pretty much all we had. I want, really want to thank you for doing such a great interview and putting up with our amateur hackishness. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Yeah, we look forward to seeing you out at Blue Ox and, and uh, getting a bunch of people in front of the stage dancing for you. It's going to be a fun weekend. I'll see you all super soon. Thanks, Sarah. Take care. You too. Thanks for listening. Make sure you send us emails and correspondence regarding this and anything else you want to talk to us about. Really, we'd love to hear from you. We love doing this, and we really hope you are loving listening to it as much as we love making it. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite streaming service. Share with your friends. So, as always, we want to thank our Blue Ox official sponsors, Bell's Brewing, Tattersall Distilling, Loon Juice Ciders, Valley Media Works, Demon Rum, Hampton Inn, Waste Management, Nicolay Law Offices, Rooney Printing Company, Charter Bank, 89.3 The Current, WORT 89.9 FM Community Radio out of Madison, Wisconsin, and Converge Radio 99.9. See you in the pines.